Welcome to today's Lots of Matzah Pizza Podcast. Today we have a Minnesota hockey legend, David Izzy Marvin from Warroad, Minnesota. Uh, Izzy has a great history of hockey, uh, not just himself, but his family. Uh, and the rich tradition of Warroad hockey has really contributed greatly to our game. We're going to sit down today and talk about his family, uh, his hockey career, both as a player and now as a coach. We got some nice, juicy topics to talk about today. This won't be light and fluffy. If you're ready for a great podcast, Stick around, you're going to have a lot of fun. Hope you enjoy it. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire. All right. Izzy, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Is the uh, ice out of the lake up in World yet, or is it still fishing up there? Uh, nobody's fishing, but there's uh, the river starting to open up a little bit. But the Articat test drivers are going to beat heck off the point. Uh, still are they yeah i've seen some pictures uh they uh grand forks boys got some good snow up there uh about a week ago did you guys get that big snowstorm or did i miss you we got uh just a little bit of it nothing serious huh nope all right well we got a huge amount of ground to cover it, it kind of depends on the age i just interviewed sammy reamer the coach from girls high school coach from edina she's like 27 years old not a lot to talk about in 27 years but someone like you who's just turned 50 maybe a year ago we got some ground to cover don't we well we sure uh although i would say sammy's got a heck of a lot to talk about <laughs> only being 27 doesn't she though what a yeah. run you know i, I learned a lot be doing research an hour or two beforehand what a career she had you know four years at edina and miss hockey finalist and state finalist and you know lost with 40 seconds to go in the state final and then went to harvard played in the state and the ncaa championship game here at ritter against the gophers and then won three state titles i'm like there's a lot here for a young woman that's for sure yeah our kids played against her all growing up so we've known i've known who sammy reber is for a long time yeah layla uh you're uh, middle daughter, um, she, no, oldest daughter, she had, um, she was Miss Hockey finalist the same year, or semi-finalist, or whatever they were called back then. It's a silly thing that the they do for girls hockey. Yeah, um, Sammy was a great player, and so my kids, my kids did okay too, so we were in, uh, I think we played Edina in the state 12U or 14U or stuff too, so like I said, we've known them knowing who she is for a long time and she's sure done well for herself. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a big Testament to, uh, the game of hockey where, you know, they barely even had 10 a hockey when she was playing back in the early two thousands. And now look at hockey for girls. It's, it's, it's the growth has been fantastic. Yeah, no, no question about that. We got to, uh, got to pay attention to outstate as well. You know, I've, told some coaches, uh, you know, you, it would go a long way if all you guys would take a turn and taking a trip North. Yeah. So, um, uh, 
the northern teams could use it. I it's hard on our budget. We're going to the cities three times in the regular season this year. Yeah. And um, some some coaches believe in the the bus trip north as a great team building things, and some coaches don't. And you know they certainly don't have to leave the cities to get good competition. But if they, you know, I've just mentioned if you want to help with uh, the game. Um, take turns making a road trip up to Warroad and Roseau and get up in our area and, and play a game. Yeah, and, and just for no other reason to, to reduce your budget and to help grow the game. I mean, there's no, no there's no, those two teams aren't any slouch. Minnetonka's uh, come up there every other year for how many years now? Yeah, EJ and us had a great relationship, and now they're not that, that change. You know, sometimes things change. When new coaches take over programs, we've seen it with Minnetonka and Edina and Hill Murray. We used to play those teams regularly, and but that's okay. We don't, you know, that's schedules change it. And uh, but I just it'd be nice if uh, more Metro teams would would take a turn coming north once in a while. Yeah, because you guys sure have uh, repaid the favor. We got a chance to see you guys and Rozo last year uh, in the, over at Pagel. So it worked out. That that trips works well when it, when it comes here. You got to kind of repay it and go back up north and and play teams like Warroad and Rozo who have great traditional powers. Yeah, I'd like to think we do. You know, we we'll give them a good game. But like I said, it it's 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 um it's not necessary for them to come up here for themselves unless they see some value in a bus trip. Right. But, uh, you know, if you're a coach every, every five or six years, schedule a game up here and help us out. Well, I remember, and, and I'm sure you did do too. Some of my greatest memories where it came from the bus trip. Oh, 90% of my <laughs> players and former players will tell you about, that is their best memories. Yeah, we had some crazy times um, as youth hockey players and high school hockey players uh, making the trips to we are Minneapolis Southwest where I played. We always went to Greenway and and Grand Rapids, and it was. I mean, I, you think I'm kidding, but literally our whole our whole school would go up to the games. It was such a big deal. Yeah, I know. I know that Lakeville came up a few years ago to our Christmas tournament. And I think most of their seniors listed it as their most memorable moment that season. So, um, yeah, I mean, kids like being together. And and um, so, yeah, it's a team building, the, the bus trips. Um, although those charters are a little nicer than the bluebirds we use <laughs> regularly. We had a rule, Minneapolis, I swear, Minneapolis public school rule. If you went more than 100 miles, we had to take the charter. Anything less than 100 miles, we went to like Owatonna or Albert Lee for a night game. We had to take the what did you call it, the Bluebird? We took a few of those, and that it wasn't would, that pretty. Would, that would be all but two of our road trips. Our school buses? Well, I know, like that 100 miles, it'd be all. Oh, great! Two. Oh, yeah, everything. Even even Thief River's close to 100, isn't it? Yeah. So hey, here's a funny story about the Bluebird. We're we're loading up at Braemar one day. It's a Saturday late evening. We had played the night before somewhere, and all these all these um, good-looking moms and dads are walking in and out of the rink with their Patagonias on, and and we're uh, this young this young boy and her and her mom came 
came out after a mite or squirt practice and we were loading our bus and the kid says to the parent, he world chartered a school bus. Yeah. We thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> chartered a school bus. Yeah. Oh yeah. They got a school bus, a whole school yeah. bus to come <laughs> six hours down to play a hockey game. Yeah. Well, I just, it was kind of a funny story though. My coach and I giggled that. Some young kid thought we chartered a school bus. Just for the record, though, you said Patagonia. What's the style of jacket that your staff wore, wore this year? Just for the record. Oh, yeah, North Face. North Face. See? <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I'm just that, giving you hard. They were sharp, though. They're really sharp yeah. jackets. That's why yeah, I, I remembered them. I got Layla in charge of that. I got to pump the brakes on her a little bit. Yeah, she, that's this is like to look good. Oh yeah, well, leave it to Layla. They, they did look good, that's for sure. Uh, okay, let's talk family first. Then we'll talk about your career. Then we'll talk about some issues in 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 hockey in general. Okay, so the family. Uh, I'm not making this up. I talk about it all the time on our podcast or whenever I drop Grant Slukinski in or somewhere. And whenever the chatter comes up, it's almost like I'm a Cal Marvin historian. I, I just love the uh, fat, your family. Twelve kids, right? And you're like number nine maybe on the list? Eleven. Eleven out of twelve. Okay, okay. There's, and there's a younger sister, right? Yep. Okay. See, I almost have it memorized. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Um, so it, it would be sad if you had it memorized. Yeah, it would be. It would be. I'm close, but I have it written down here. And I'm going to pull up my notes here. So yeah, the youngest. Yeah, I want to say Randy. Yes, it's Randy, right? Yep. And the oldest is Michael Marvin, and Michael is the father of Gigi. Correct. Correct. That he's no, he's not the oldest. I'm sorry. Karen is the oldest, right? Yep. Yep, uh, Grant's grandma. Yep, yep. And she works, or she did work, over in the Welcome Center over at the factory, right? Yeah, I saw her car there today, actually. Oh, good for her. Okay, so uh, Michael is the the father of Gigi Marvin, and he's kind of a resident expert when it comes to hockey, just as you are, but he's way older on the, on the, on the spectrum, right? Yeah, he's... I was like one year old watching him and Henry play in the state tournament in 1969. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. This is, this is almost like my family. I have a brother that's way older. Uh, 1972 graduated high school. You graduated 87. I graduated 86. So there was like 14 years difference. So when, they went at, when I went to kindergarten, they went to college. So there's kind of that big gap, right? Yeah, well... The thing is, is my dad and mom went every other year for four years, and then they took a break, and the next eight went every other year. Right. So there wasn't much, <laughs> there wasn't much time off there. Right now, now get to the bottom, and I, I know your sister Robin pretty well. She's her claim to fame is toughening you up. Is this true or false? She made you tough. That's what she claims. To, her claim to fame. Well, she's probably got a better memory than than I do um but yeah we, she used we used to play a lot of hockey together we did a lot of stuff together she was like the, I guess the brother my age I didn't have she was a very good athlete yeah um, did not play hockey or her Janet didn't play hockey but they were good well, basketball players right they, they didn't play on teams but they played a lot of hockey I love it I love every it. day in the outdoor rink yeah, and but they ended up playing. There wasn't hockey when they were uh, uh, going to high school, so they played basketball, correct? 
Yes. Yeah, and they're still playing hockey today, as far as, far as I, yep. I know, right? Yep. That's pretty cool. So it's a hockey family. Uh, your dad, Cal, uh, we could spend probably an entire show on him. Um, well documented that he's kind of the father of hockey in in Warroad, right? I mean, he helped. He, he went to the local businesses and got um, got the the rink built. Correct. Yes, he he did. I think he took a insurance policy out on himself when he went in the Marines. Yep. That if something should happen to him, he wanted the money to go towards uh, an indoor rink, and fortunately made it back. And I think his words were, "Our town needed a lot of things at the time, curb and gutter and whatever." Right. But but he, my dad had a way of rallying the troops. That's for sure. And and um, him along with a lot of other difference makers you know, the Christians and my yeah. dad's brothers and Smokey Olson, those guys, they, they built our first arena, like a handful of guys built it. Right. Like, like there's a lot of rinks in the, in the, in the Northern Minnesota that were basically built by hand by, by the residents themselves. Yeah. And you think of the times, uh, that's pretty incredible how they lifted them big wooden trusses up and yeah. Well, they definitely had the uh, had, had a hockey heritage in in Warroad, and it, it lasted and lasted and lasted. But your dad, this wasn't just building a rink and then you know get out the skates. I mean, he was doing two twofold. He's he's coaching uh, the War, he's the founder and coach of the Warroad Lakers, which was basically like the equivalent of a post high school post college senior team, which now they don't have as much because because of junior hockey and college hockey and after that there isn't as much it's not as it's not as big as it was back in the day no not not as big um but you know one story about you are my dad didn't just affect hockey here like we we went to a a u.s canada game and i think 90 like uh say the fall of 93 yeah be in the target center Okay. And it was my dad and I and another guy, and and we were going to watch uh, the Olympic game. And what's interesting is the coach for both teams played for my dad. Uh, it was uh, Tom Rennie for the Canadians and Tim Taylor for the U.S. team. And they both played for the World Lakers. He knew them both. And later on, I found out the purpose of the trip was my dad signed Chris Imes to an Allen Cup playoff playing card um, that at that game. Right. So Imes came off the Olympics and and uh, was one of the players that joined our 94 team. And the 94 team, did they win the Allen Cup? Yeah, that was our first of, of three. Now, can you tell everyone here who's listening what the, the significance of the Allen Cup and the significance of an American team winning the Allen Cup? Well, yeah, you know, it's it's a really big deal in Canada. And, um, you know, it's been going on. It's been played for since, like, 1906 or something. Yep. I think only two American teams have ever won it. No team had ever won it three years in a row. And then, you know, up until, you know, in the 80s or 70s, I don't know which day, but the winner in the old days, the winner of the Allen Cup represented Canada in the World Championships. Oh really? It, it was a you know it was a 
it was a really big deal up north, you know, and um, it's hard to explain. I know the Twin Cities had good senior hockey with the Bucks. Bucks and, were good, yeah. And, uh, and Marv Jordy's uh, team, the Parkers, was it? Yep. Um, but it was a it was another level of commitment, full season long commitment to play the the leagues in the leagues we played in and and um that and you had to get a lot of time off and you it was it was serious good hockey for someone that wasn't done yet that still wanted to play competitively and then at some point your dad handed the reins over to you to run the team and gm the team as well right no not the lakers not the lakers okay all right i i was the coach the I was Reg Dunlop the last six years. Got it. Um, but dad dad was always the GM. All right. Um explain I I have a story about your dad and this is kind of will explain uh a little bit further where you were going with the Tim Taylor reference. And uh I was I was talking to this guy from Grand Rapids. From uh, he played hockey in the mid nineties. He played high school hockey in the mid nineties, kinda of the Jeff Nielsen era. And he said, "Yeah, we, my, I never forget. We were, we were playing a high school game or a Bantam game in in Warroad, and you could always count on up in the upper rafters, Cal Marvin and all his cronies with their cigars watching the game, as if they had and they had all the influence on Northern Minnesota hockey." <laughs> yeah, that, that well, that's where he sat, and he did he did chew on that cigar, and um, I think. I don't think you're, uh, you know, he's been recognized by Hall of Fames in Manitoba and the United States and, and the University of North Dakota. And I don't think you, you get recognized for those things if you don't have a big impact. You know, uh, my dad was never a great player. He will tell you that. But he had such a big impact on so many people and, you know, for a long time, like, like Jim Scanlon spent two years here after college and right. played for my dad. You know, you could go, you could go on and on though about about you know the the playing careers of people and the early days of guys that had played in the NHL and played in senior hockey with the Lakers. So we're you know we're pretty lucky as as uh, kids growing up. If you had your you know a big advantage was if if you had your homework done, you could near a Bana major high school age, you could go to the rink at night and they'd let you in a scrimmage if they needed a few extra guys and you'd play against all, you know, so if if you were the best high school player in War Road, yep. you were never the best active player in, in town. And, you know, and that was good. Like, like Wyatt Smith joined our team yep. as, a, as an 11th grader and a 12th grader. And he had an incredible career. Yeah. He was never the best player in our town when he was in high school because we had guys like, you know, Steve and Mike Ross and Scott Knutson and John Hansen. And, you know, we, we just, there was always guys that these kids could go to the rink and, and they're like, wow, I'm, I'm not as good as those guys. Right. Keep working, you know? And so I think that was a great advantage. What a good development model. Yeah, you know, Larry Olam and McFarlane and guys growing up, like, we'd, we'd be at Laker practice at 10 o'clock the night before, a, you know, a Roseau game or whatever. We didn't just, like, so we're just playing. You yeah, know? If good hockey's good hockey, right? Yeah, so we were really lucky to, 
as as kids to grow up with uh, Lakers so, in town. So yeah, I'm not sure if you heard our podcast with with Brad Schlossman, which was obviously very North University of North Dakota centric. But he and I, just for fun, totally on a whim, it wasn't much. There was much plan to it. We announced our. Um, Mount Rushmore, our UND Mount Rushmores, and of course I throw down Tony Herkus right away. Just get it. I get that one out of the out of the gate, and he matches me with Cal Marvin. He's like, all right, I'm gonna go Cal Marvin, and because if it wasn't for Cal Marvin, North Dakota hockey wouldn't even be in existence. You want to talk elaborate on that a little bit? I, I know that, but I, I was like, he floored me with that. I thought I was just amazed that he knew that and knew so much about the history of the school's program. Yeah, well, Brad's uh, Brad's a professional in every. I mean, he's so good at what he does, and that's pretty cool that he mentioned my dad after after all. UND's got a long list of unbelievable candidates for a Mount Rushmore, but um, yeah, after the war, you know, it's Dan McKinnon too, and I think any Christian maybe, but you know, I don't know how he did it, but the athletic director just looked at him and said, so why are you any different than anyone else that's ever come in here and asked me to get a men's program going? Yeah. And Cal just said, well, I'll deliver, I'll deliver the players, get us a schedule. Um, you know, when, uh, I guess one of the famous quotes was, is those guys went to Michigan and they split with them, but they beat them. And that was like in those days. That was that was a huge upset, you know. And um, I think one of the famous quotes was, I think I don't know if it was Dad or who, but it was Michigan didn't know what side of the Red River or the Mississippi River Grand Forks, North Dakota is, or what. <laughs> but but they know now. Yeah, don't yeah, they ever? They know now. So those were the humble beginnings and. I don't think anything's changed that, you know, like, well, a lot of things have changed at North Dakota, but the, 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 the way they work and the way they approach it, um, you know, they remember their, uh, the beginning, you know, right. like Brad, Bradbury does such a great job. Um, you know, and Dave Haxtell did an unbelievable job before him and Dean blaze and, and my coach, Gino Gasparini, like think of think of that run of coaches. Yeah, you know, and and um, so uh, very fortunate to be part of uh, the Sioux family. Um, go back to the, the you know Brad Berry. Give me an example of how he embraces uh, the alumni and, and brings them in and and ke- keeps them part of the program. Yeah, you know, he just like I I don't know anyone that dislikes Brad. He, he's like, when he won that title, you're like, you're like, Oh, so nice guys can finish first because I, I, I mean, he's a gentleman too. Yes. Um, but, but he, and you know, this started, um, when I started really realizing it is, um, Dean blaze made would make alumni feel so much a part of it, right. whether, whether you, you know, won a title or not, or whether you played two years or, or you were Greg Johnson and played four years and, and you were an NHL or so, you know, they, they just do a tremendous job there. Like we have an incredibly strong and, and I think United alumni and it, and I think that's interesting since 
very few alumni live in Grand Forks. You know, like, like, but I, I think we have as strong alumni and loyal alumni as any, any school in the country. Well, I think uh, one other thing that, that always strikes me about running into guys who played at UND, and I'll, I'll give an example. Kevin and David Hookstein are guys that their sons have played in Youth Hockey Hub programming. So I have firsthand knowledge. I mean, they don't have to be nice to me. They don't really – they just want to play in their hockey tournaments. But they're the classiest guys. They're the hardest-working guys. Uh, their teams represent who – who the Hoogstein brothers were, and and they talked just a, a greatest part of their lives was 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 attending school and playing hockey for the Sioux. Yeah, they're I know Dave a little bit, and uh, boy, were they good hockey players. And I agree with you. They they brought a they brought humility to their game and and knew nothing but you know full speed. Yeah, yeah. There's been a bunch of bunch of families there that have, uh, you know, just the the packs of brothers that have played. I mean, we could make a list of all the different brothers that have played for UND over the years. It's it's. I mean, even now, I mean, you have Pullmans and you know, going now, but it's just it, the list goes on and on. The groups of families that have participated at uh, at that school. I think one of the one of the toughest things is they've got such great alumni and, and now those alumni have kids and you know, not all, yes. of them can play, not all of them can play there. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, you see Reg Morelli's kid who he, Reg was, a, 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 I guess Reg's grandson played at Omaha. Yeah. You know, and he, and, and, you know, Jim Archibald's son played at Omaha. Partly that was Dean blaze, but you know, Dixon Ward, one of my teammates, his son played at Omaha. Yeah. Well, they they just it's such a tradition. They just they they only got so many spots, you know. So it's, it's hard. It's yeah. really hard. Meanwhile, you got a young kid, this this Jackson Blake kid from Eden Prairie, uh, Jason's kid. He's a superstar, and the only place he was ever going to play, North Dakota. No question about it. Yeah, Jason sure could change a game in a flash. That's for sure. And oh. that, one, that one team when he was on one line and the Panzer brothers were on the other, it almost was, wasn't fair, right? Oh, they they had a lot of success. They, you know, they had they were great teams then. That was uh, one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, that '97 was it? '97 team? I think. So. That was a pretty darn good team. All right, uh, let's talk about your career. Um, you, you played. Yep. You played uh, for Warroad High School, obviously. Um, and your was it your senior year? You took fourth place, but it, you guys had a pretty good run that year. Um, only one loss throughout the year, and then you had a lead playing against Burnsville in the semifinals, and Burnsville uh, ends up uh, losing in the state final to Kennedy that year. Uh, walk through that game against Burnsville. You had a lead after the first period, like 3-1, to one, and then things kind of went sideways. Yeah, I don't remember a whole lot of it, but we got a little tired in the second, and and uh, they were what the two-time defending champs. Yep. And uh, they came back pretty hard, and we couldn't get to that second intermission fast enough. And what was the final? Did we lose four-three? Uh, five-three with an afternooner. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, it was a big deal. We hadn't been down there in seventeen years. Yeah. And um, so it was a. I remember it being a really big deal, and we beat a pretty good. 
Hill Murray team in the first game, which was fun. Uh, fun to have everyone in the building cheering for Warroad. Yes. Yeah, we we uh, got after uh, Nick Garby and uh, Sean Fabian and the Quinlins. We got after them pretty good. Yeah. Now, that was a really good team. I played against those guys every year in the inner city game that we would play every year. And Hill Murray was always just so deep every year. Yeah, they had a large contingent of cheerleaders, as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Probably 200, right? Probably more than your school's population, right? Yeah, well, they were they were good looking, and they had a lot of them. All right. Um, so you, you, after World, uh, you you go to UND, following your dad's footsteps. Um, uh, talk about playing for Gino. What that what that was like? Well, I, I guess I maybe didn't realize how lucky I was at the time. You know, they they had one of the best seasons in of college all time the, the year before. Right. And I thought, man, I don't even know if I can make that team and. But maybe I could run a door right. and, uh, and get a ring or something. And, but they had, you know, they had four underclassmen go to the NHL and they graduated eight seniors. So there was, it was good and bad. There was a lot of opportunity to play, but we were, we were starting over. Um, we lost a lot of good players and, but, but we, uh, you know, we're a little above 500, I think that year. And then we, and then, like good coaches do, Gino started stacking the shelves again and started bringing in a lot of good players. And we had, we had some good seasons. 90 was a good year. Right. Uh, I guess 90 was the best year that I was there. We went and played BU in the, in the NCAs. And in those days it was a best of three. Right. And, total uh, goals. No, best of three. Okay. All right. We beat them the first night. I think uh, my buddy Lee Davidson got four, and uh, Tony Kucher was our goalie. You know that. Oh yeah, I know Tony really well. Tony had a tremendous season, and and we lost the next two nights. And BU was pretty good. They had uh, Kachuk and McEachern. Yeah. And uh, some of those guys and Tony Amante, they were they were pretty good too. So. But it was hard to win a best of three on the road at that time of year, not the single game stuff. But right. So yeah, that was um, four of the best years of my life being in, you know, being in Grand Forks and met a lot of good people that uh, remain close with to this day. Is that where you met your wife, Callie? No, she was a uh, high school sweetheart. high school sweetheart. Oh, okay, great, even better. Yep. yep. Even better. And are you the same age, roughly? Yeah, she one grade younger. Okay. And did she go to UND with you at the same time, or? No, didn't have those opportunities. She uh, started working at the Marvin corporate office, and and uh, in those days we, I didn't have a car, so it was long distance oh, for a while. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So after college, you you. You told me before we uh, hit the record button that you had, since after college, little you've been coaching hockey or involved in hockey on a hockey team ever since, basically. Yeah, um, basically I have. Uh, I got uh, Billy Christian got me a trial with the Winnipeg Jets. Yep. That was probably the highlight yep. for me. That was as far as I made it. And I got a 
an exhibition game. There's 11 of us Sue in the game played. Uh, we played the North Stars in Grand Forks, and there's a Gino had 11 former players in that game. That was that was that's probably why I got to play. It was a promotional deal, maybe I don't know, but I sure enjoyed it. And and um, and then after after that, I, I came home. Um, my wife's uh, got in a car accident before our wedding that that August, and and her 12 year old sister got killed. No way. And so that that a week before our wedding and that so that changed our certainly changed our path and our outlook and and um so yeah just after that i got married and callie and i uh started into business and raising kids and and playing for the world lakers so tell me about the business you started i know where your business is today and i know you was izzy today in 2019 2020 when we met but where did it, tell me how it started. Well, I, when I came back from Moncton, which was Winnipeg's farm team, to be with my wife and start our new life, uh, I worked at Christian Brothers and uh, sanded sticks and worked in the shipping department for Billy and Roger. Um, the one highlight is we used to send sticks to uh, an East Coast League team, the Johnstown Chiefs. Yep. And every big, there are these big white Christian Brother boxes, and I would write a line from Slapshot <laughs> on every box. And you know, every, you know, there's so many one-liners, and then right. pretty soon, their equipment managers calling and saying the guys can't wait for the sticks to come. They they love the 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 Slapshot quotes on the boxes. So, but so we worked there for that winter, and then. My uh, brother and I built uh, a motel in town, the Can-Am. And, okay. Uh, I guess that'd be, we started in. Which brother? Uh, my brother, John. Who, okay. John passed away when he was 46 uh, in 2008. Okay. So we were partners on, on that. Um, in 93, we started that when Layla was born. And how, is, is that the hotel that's currently in, that you're at now? Yeah, after my brother passed away, we ran it for a couple of years, but I was I was really deep into the the bar and the grill and and um in the motel here and it was kind of my brother's deal. You know, he he did the day-to-day stuff and when after he passed away, I it was just more than what my wife and I wanted and so now it's on a second buyer and and they're doing a nice job over there with it. Okay, and is that the patch, or is that your? That's what I have now. It was the Can Am. Okay, so the hotel is the hotel motel is the patch, and your bar is called Izzy's. Izzy's. Okay, all right. Everybody I... knows. Everybody knows that. All right, sorry, I get confused when I get there. I, I, Lily, I'm usually getting off an airplane or driving nine hours before I get there. I'm like, I get too confused. I I know where to go to to see you, and that's that's behind the uh, grill, right? Yeah, I've been uh, Wing Wednesday today. I was, uh, we were cooking a lot of wings. Yeah, and what's the best burger there, in your opinion? Well, well it's Jason Shogby says it's the Izzy Burger. There's no I, question. I, I like the, the beef sandwich one. That was my favorite. I had that a couple of years ago. That's, what, what do you call that one? Uh, I don't know our barbecue sandwich. No, it's like a, it's like a shredded beef or something. It was like, yeah, you, you were probably at Arby's. 
No, I was at your place. I had it twice. The one trip, I had it once each day. It was so good. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad you liked it. It's really good. It's really homey, and if you love hockey jerseys and hockey memorabilia, it's a must-stop when you go to World. It's You have to go there. Well, a lot of we, – we do well with our hockey clientele, and we appreciate it. Um, a lot of Twin City people come up to Billy Lund's tournaments over in Roseau, and uh, we get a lot of them stay with us, so – they stay, they stay at your hotel and they don't leave. They don't leave dejected. They had to stay twenty minutes away from from the Roseau rinks, right? Well, Billy gets a little bit of hell for it, but uh, once they get here, they those Edinamons and Eden Prairie Mons, they I think they figure they're in a different world and they can act differently up here because they sure have a good time. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 you have the ice fishing and some other things that that uh, that the Rozo people can't offer, correct? Well, yeah, I don't have the ice fishing anymore, but Billy's tournaments are so big, the Rozo can't house them all. Right, right. That's what I mean. You so know, they so get to they stay with you guys, and they're still the access to ice fishing though. If you want yeah, to go ice fishing, right? A lot of a lot of them go out. They used to with us, and now they do it with other resorts. Right. Okay. Um, all right. I don't even know how we got off the, the, the rails here, but let's get back on to how you got back into co- how you got into coaching at the high school level, uh, girls high school level. Nobody applied for the opening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Girls hockey wasn't that big in 2006. Right. I mean, there well, was only 14. There was only four sections for, for girls hockey. Right? Yeah, but in in World, it was starting to really come together because we went back-to-back years with Gigi Marvin and then who everybody knows. But the other, the next year in 06, we had Holly Roberts, and she might be one of the best players the state's ever had that yep. no one talks about. Right. You know, and if Gigi one-to-one Miss Hockey, I'd – Maybe Hollywood the next year. I mean, she scored 70 freaking goals. Yeah. And, and took the team on her back. And and a um, little uh, bad luck, or they'd have won a state championship. And that was in 06, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you... so girls were, you know, Gigi and Holly and some others, um, you know, got a lot of kids fired up about it. And, basically the nucleus of our future state championship teams. Or as a result of that, right? Yeah, they they saw those those guys were paved the way, so to speak. And, you know, we had, you know, the, my daughters and and Hannah, Hannah Johnston and Beth Olson and the A-Strips and these kids just, they're like, we want to do that, you know, and the Goulet girls. So there was a whole nother... Like so, girls hockey was 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 really coming on here in those days. So you saw there was great potential. You had two daughters that were great players. You saw that there was a a future. Elaborate on the future of what happened once you got there in two thousand six. Well, obviously there was a little bit of letdown on you know Gigi and Holly don't grow on trees, so we right. didn't have them. But we. I think we were in the section championship game the next two years yep. and um, started building again. And, 
there were some good players and we always had good goaltending up here in those days. And that was, that was important, uh, which is always, but yeah. And then, and then uh, I think my third year was we played Rozo for the third time in East Grand Forks and all three games went to overtime. And um, there was people uh, throwing up in the men's room. I know, I know Vince Gardner did. Yeah. He couldn't believe how intense that overtime game was. Rozo had a very good team and it was, like I said, three, three games that year and we beat them three times all in overtime. And that was oh nine. And, and we, so that, that was start of a pretty good run for us. Um, just before we get into all these teams, I just want to make it known that, uh, for the next 12 years, uh, from Oh nine until this past season, uh, you guys make it to state 10 times. And the two times you don't make it, East Grand takes a runner-up uh, from your section, and Thief River wins it in 2015. Pretty good yeah. hockey up there, isn't it? Well, we always felt like the the second-place team in our section could do very well in the Class A tournament. We've always felt that way. Right. Um, we'll go back to Holly Roberts really quick. Uh, you told me this story when I was there last time in, in World. You pointed at her jersey. And you were very proud of Holly Roberts. Like, this is one of the least uh, heralded, greatest hockey players this state has ever seen. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, what made her so special? Oh, uh, she was a finisher. You know, she played three years in World. And I think in 86 games, she had 187 goals, you know? And so, um, she could, she could just finish. And in those days, people, people were really physical on the good players too. And they let that go. Right. I think did one of the curtain girls did that. They were getting hit so much. They had concussion problems. Like, like those were tough times to be a great player because there were, they were letting people go after them. Right. Holly played through that stuff, and but she had she had such a drive. She could do it all. I just, um, you know, I don't know how close she was to, you know, moving on. But I know she's doing great now. She has a family and lives in St. Cloud, and we, you know, stay in contact periodically. But she was a a big influence on my kids. Yeah, not just not just all the kids in the neighborhood, right? All the kids in town, like they looked up to her and wanted to be like her. Oh yeah, she was she was a good one. Uh, okay, so now you get into some really special years. You take runner up in two thousand nine, and in two thousand ten and eleven, you you beat Breck in two thousand ten, uh, uh, or was it South St. Paul? Brecken 10. Brecken 10, South St. Paul, and whatever. So now you win two in a row. Um, before, I don't want to dwell too much on this, but both your daughters, Lisa and Layla, are on the team. Uh, again, this is 10 years ago. Um, is it a little bit more special now than it was then, or was it pretty cool then knowing, you know, you got your two daughters on the team, you got your whole family there uh, to watch it. It's played on statewide TV. Pretty cool experience. Yeah, I I think it was wonderful. Um, but I said it then, I'll tell you now, like I was really 
a lot of them kids were like my kids. I, I'm sure ever, I'm sure you can find people that think I was biased, but like, I, I mean, Shelby and Shelby and Carly and Megan Bredingen and Hannah Johnston and Beth Olson, you know, uh, those guys were really special players. Like to beat Breck, we had all six seniors played college hockey. Right. We had a bunch under, and we had, Arguably the best goaltender in the United States, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what it took to beat those teams. Right. You know that. I mean, and you think Thief ever beat him? The Marshall kid was outstanding. Yes. So, so that's what it takes to beat Blake or Breck in Class A, and and um, we we had a tremendous team, you know, with with the Astrups and Kayla Gardner, and and we had we were just really deep with with character and a lot of skill and it seemed easy, you know, it opened the door and man, good player after good players going out. Well, we'll get to the Breck and the class a thing in a little bit. I want to just kind of roll through some of these teams that you coach 2012. You took third, uh, Lisa senior year. You, you take runner up and lose to Blake. Um, hey, you, want to, you want to know a story about that year? Yes. Love it. So this is 13. Worst thing, yeah. Worst thing. We have a good club. Worst thing that ever could have happened to us, we played Blake in uh, South St. Paul's Christmas tournament. Yep. And they don't have Danny. No. Oh, because he's playing in the U18s, right? Yeah. He smoke them. Yeah. Right? Worst thing ever. And, you know, they're coming off losing Bronel, who was a true gentleman. And I'm pretty sure everyone in hockey that met him loved him or respected him. And, and, and then we got in that championship game and Cameron Easy just tore us to shreds. We didn't have an answer, but we had a, we had a good, we had a good uh, team. And you know that I think in, in 10, in 10, we beat Tonka in that Kaposha championship, like five, one. Yeah. Like we were pretty, we were pretty legit. And, um, and then, and then, like you said, we had, we had some good runs, but yeah, Danny, uh, Danny kind of made that summer long for us. <laughs> right. I believe it. I believe it. Uh, so you take, you missed this uh, state tournament in 14. East Grand goes in runner-ups in, in Class A, and then 15, Thief River wins it. What do you remember about the Thief River team in 15 that kind of was such a tough team to beat? Well, what I remember is how good they were, and the maybe their best player was at Shattuck. Yes. You know, I mean, you think about how scary that Thief Ever team would have been with the with the other Marshall girl on it. Yes, yeah. That's... They had they had good goaltending. They had tremendous leadership in Tim Berglund's daughter, and and they had they had a lot of nice players and and um, and like I said, uh, their goaltender their goaltender did a great job and they they uh, got there and got her done. Okay, so let's fast forward to 2018. I would have to say, in your coaching career, this has got to be one of the harder losses that you've taken in, in 2018 championship against Breck. Yeah, the overtime game? Yeah. You want to know funny? Yeah, so we Marley ties it up late. Yep. And I think we got a penalty with, I think um, – with with seventeen, she got one too. I think Hardwick and her got a penalty. Yep. Um, and uh, Molby, 
And we're like, okay, this is pretty good. Start right. the overtime or whatever. And we're thinking about stuff and bam, eight seconds in, they score. Crazy. So, funny story on about a month later, a retired warroad person that lives down in Northfield or somewhere yep. writes me a letter. And you can tell by the handwriting that she's an elderly person. Yep. And she and she's asking me what happened. She got up to go to the bathroom at the end of the at the end of the regulation and they cut to uh, a different program when she got back. And oh no way. Yeah, I thought it I, I, I just told her, I go, Well, that's how fast we lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. Goodbye. All right, have a good night. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that that's funny, and then and then it's funny. I'm looking at the records. I'm looking at 2019 runner-up, the six to one loss. It really wasn't a six to one loss. I mean, it was obviously six to one, but way closer than that. I I, I got the feeling that just there was something that happened late in the second period in that 2019 game that just kind of it finally just turned. Their their wave of uh, pressure just overwhelmed you guys. Yeah, we had. Uh... We had a goal called back that would have made it three two with about eight minutes to go. Right. I think we would have been in for a really fun finish. Um, we had just came back the day before from behind in the third period. That would have been that would have been Cornut's fiftieth goal her junior year that got disallowed. This is Hannah but, Corneliuson. Yeah. Yep. But then you know, then after that, um just crying a little bit here, they they called a penalty shot. And I think it's the check this out for me. Yeah. I think in, in the 25 years of girls and 75 years of boys to that point, had there ever been a penalty shot in the state tournament? State tournament? I bet there were state tournament penalty shots. Well, there can't be very many. No, don't, no, no, don't no. Wreck my, don't wreck my story. Okay, me. sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Is he? Uh, there's yeah, never I, been a penalty shot. No, I don't know. But, uh, but it got it got. A, they're a good team, and they they threw in an empty netter, and then. And then the fourth line played at the end, and they got another one. So Breck is really good, but I know I don't look at that as a six to one game. And no, I didn't either. Um, they de- they deserve to win. They are better than us. But I I w- would have liked to have seen that finish had uh, had the ref not lost sight of the puck. That was right. One tenth of a second that it hit the chest protector. Right, right. Okay, and then this year's team, uh, good squad. But man, a defense was was not a strong suit. I mean, a lot of goals allowed this year compared to the year before. A lot of goals scored, but just seemed like a lot of high scoring games. And 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 when I say high scoring games, just point to the uh, two Rozo games as a perfect example. Yeah, those were weird. Um, <laughs> I listened to both games on the radio on Rozo Radio. I that guy's that guy went hoarse from screaming about goals scored b- both ways. Yeah, that's not what I expected. You know, we I don't know how many games we've played, 40-some games over the years, and those were different for sure. Um, lots of goals. But, yeah, we're, we got to tighten up defensively if you're going to, you know, if you're going to win championships. And just as a team, we weren't, we weren't as good as we needed to be at the end of the year. So, speaking of that, at the end of the year this year, I had a chance – 
uh, had a chance to interview a player at a double A team uh, for our girls player of the year award and and we got to talking about Breck so I'm, I'm going to just lead this we're leading into the Breck class A discussion in just a second so she says to me I said, oh, yeah, that Breck team's pretty good. And her team's, like, at the time, five, number five in the state in AA. She goes, well, yeah, they better be good. I'm like, well, they're, they're, all their players do extra. I'm like, what do you mean by extra? She goes, well, you know, they play OS, and they do this, and they're basically playing hockey like I am, and she's a Division One player. She goes, like I am, 11 or 12 months out of the year. So their whole roster is like that. My team, about half of our roster is as committed as, as the Breck girls are. So they better be good. This is what we're talking about. This is when you're playing Breck in the 2018 final, 2019 final, and and Cloquet's got to play him in the in the state final this year. This is the kind of quality of players that Breck has. I would expect you to Bruce plant me right now, but I don't think you are. Well, I don't know what you you think, but I I know how good they are. Um, I was watching. And overplay and Sarah Kaiser is Derek Comstock's sister and we were visiting and she goes Izzy Breck might be the best team in the state either class they're that good yes. and, and, and I and, you know that's coming from an Andover parent that won it all yes so, but you know um, but he, I, but he Dinah beat him twice this yeah. year they're not the previous two years though they had Breck had beaten. The double-A champion, Edina, t- the previous two years in 17, uh, 18, and 19. But this year they didn't. But keep going. Well, the the team that wins the Class A, we know they can always compete with the top double-A schools. That's a fact. Yes. Whether they could beat them head-to-head or not. But why well, Breck's got a proven track record with their schedule. Um, I I wouldn't go to double-A if I was them either if, if they'd put them in that section. I yeah, because that's where they're going to put them, right? They would put them right in the section with Wyzetta and Edina. Yeah, I don't blame them for not doing that. And I personally hope they don't go up because they set the bar. I mean, if I mean if that's what you got to chase. And, you know, and if it's easy, who cares? But, I mean, it, I know for our players, you know, you got it, but you got to get there. You know, like we got upset, or we got didn't get upset. We got beat by a good Cloquet team. I a thought team I thought they were a great team this year. Well, they got they played. They're playing really well, and they're well coached, and and um, and they they were peaking at a good time. Yeah, earlier in the year they lost like two weeks, three weeks before to Proctor Hermantown, six to nothing. So getting to where they had gotten, beating them in the section final, and beating you guys in the semis, hats off to them, right? Oh, for sure. I was, um, and I think the story of their leader there is quite remarkable. The uh, the, the player, the, the coach, the Nelson girl. Yeah, she's something else, isn't she? Yeah, didn't didn't she lose her father? I'm not sure. I don't know or, that. Oh, but anyway, she's a tremendous player. And and they deserve to beat us, but if you get a chance to play Breck, that's what you want to do. And and uh, I know I would I wouldn't tell them to move up. They they play wherever they want, and that's the bar that's set. And if they leave, then the bar gets lowered. It will get lowered um, really low. 
I mean, I mean, not for you guys, but but for a lot of the teams. I mean, it, it still makes it a really good a good state tournament. But the Class A champion like Breck the last few years has been an amazing team to try to defeat. Yeah, they're they, they're good. I was impressed with them, and and they're good at young ages too. So, you know, you think right when their goaltender goes to Edina, right? Uma, they got maybe they got a little chink in the armor. And then they, and then this other girl, Sarah Peterson. Yeah, really darn good too. So I saw um, her play against. I saw the Adina Breck game this year, and she was probably one of the two best players on the ice, uh, including Uma. She was just outstanding. So look at that. You know, you like you said, you lose the best goalie in the state, and then the the, the backups almost as good. And that just just goes to show you how deep Breck is, which goes to say what this girl said to me, this Player of the Year finalist said to me about how deep they are. It's, it's really tough. And, and I, I think they're being able to play the schedule they play is such an advantage. They're so battle tested. You yeah. Know, like, I mean, we, we pride ourselves on having a good competitive schedule, but it's, it's impossible to play a schedule like, like they have. We would, we would need to, I don't know. We would need a pretty big donation to, charter all those trips but right what people don't realize people think oh yeah it's this little team up north i can get to chicago faster than i can get to world right yeah we're a long ways from everything so and when you say your nearest competition is is you know thief river i mean thief river is no easy trip from the twin cities you're you're getting on a bus and traveling a long ways just to play a, a, a one game yeah, we well, Roseau's twenty minutes away, and and but they're they're our closest. But yeah, we we went to Bismarck and back in one day. That's oh, so far away. Yeah, isn't that's five yeah. or six hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's six. Okay, but we had a hole in our schedule because an Iron Range team uh, saw us on their schedule and didn't want to play us, so dropped us in October. Oh, isn't that fun? That's a that lot was, of fun. That was really nice of them, <laughs> you know. But uh, I don't think you got to like someone to play them. Even more reason, but right. Well, but, I think you kind of hit on something though, because in, in 2018, it was my birthday, by the way. Um, you guys really took it to Breck, um, down at Breck, and as the season wore on, they got stronger and they were the better team at the end of the season, right? Which is obviously the more important time to be playing. Do you think some of that has to be with what Breck plays that at that time, you know, what they th- play throughout the year? I just think they got such a tremendous schedule that they, it's hard to win them all when they play that. And, you know, we had a good night that night and and we beat them the next year up in Warro during the regular season. So um, I just think they have a tremendous schedule and and they're more they're they're more tested than we could ever possibly be no matter what we do so um hats off to them they're they're uh they're very good and they're on an incredible run here right no question about that all right uh last topic for today we uh i want to i don't want to ignore the fact that your your family has you know suffered a lot of losses not just your son max but a lot of losses you talked about Callie's sister and uh you're kind of becoming an expert in grief at this point um 
tell me about the, the loss of Max. Uh, it's now been over a year. Um, walk through that and then walk through what your family has done in response to the loss of Max. Oh, boy. Um, it's really hard. Um, I don't wish it on anyone. Um, I keep saying parenting is so tough. Um, probably the biggest joy of my life was my was being a parent. And then the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with is being a parent. So we, we didn't see it coming. No. Um, uh, we, we dissected and we go back and we look for signs or, you know, Max had three different surgeries that year, twice on shoulders. Um, but he recovered and we fished a lot that fall while he was recovering and he had been ice fishing with, you know, Jamie Bufflin a couple of days before that and fishing every day. And he had muzzleloaded, hunted with grandpa. And so we, we didn't, we didn't see this coming. It wasn't like we had issues or, or we were pushing it under the rug or like, we just didn't know. And maybe we were oblivious to it. Maybe there were signs that we just didn't know or whatever, but, um, so our lives changed and it's, it's been, it's been, um, days are at best tolerable and at worst they're miserable for, for me and my two daughters and my wife. So, and a lot of his friends, he was, we're a small community. He's very connected. So we, I don't know, with the help of my cousins, Nick and Conway, we started the Max Foundation um, trying to, trying to raise awareness and, and try to help, like I said, if we can help one family and, and you know what, we may never know if we ever do. Right. But, but if we can ever help one family, it'll be worth it. Um, because so many families go through it. Uh, Tom Chorsky did a, a, a nice podcast yeah. with, uh, I was just going to talk about Tom. it with Conway. I listened to it and yeah, were you going to, I want to get to what, what Conway had some really, he's, he not only said in that podcast, but he said it a few other places. I want you to elaborate on what Conway's thoughts were on your family's thoughts on it. Yeah. You know, it was like, this is such a horrible memory for my son. Is there any way to, you know, to try to try to, you know, maybe maybe ease it a little bit by by helping others and 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 stuff and i really think that society is 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 changing a little bit like i don't think people are afraid to talk about it no there's way more talk now like people aren't you see ana chellers like the like the goalie in vegas there that was with chicago he talks about it and you see these prominent um, athletes talking about it. And so I think kids are realizing that they can, I hope they know they can, um, you know, and so it, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough one. Uh, you know, my college teammate did the same thing, right? He's all time leading scorer in North Dakota and, and, uh, felt so bad. And, but when it happens to you, you, you start to realize how much of it and what a problem it is and how many people struggle, you know, that the odds are 
the odds are really high. And like Conway talks about having eight grandchildren and, and um, odds are at least two or three are going to have an issue. With depression. Yeah. Of, or some sort. And so we wouldn't be where we're at with the foundation if it weren't for Conway and Nick. Um, and well, my, my family wouldn't be where we're at without their personal guidance. Right. So Conway in the, in the podcast and some, some are some write-ups as well. Um, there's been quite a few, um, said if you don't do anything, how did he say it? something about if you don't do anything, you'll never know if you do anything, you know, kind of thing. We, we, well, it was, it was doing nothing. Wasn't an option. Yes. That's it. Thank you for, you know, it, it just and, wasn't right. Yeah. He listened though. He was a really good listener and, he, like I said, he helped us through it. And I just asked him one day, what do you think about this? And he guided us all the way through. And we've had our foundations set up only in a short time, you know, like August or September. And um, we continue to work towards helping people. And this uh, virus thing we got going on, is certainly not going to help anybody's mental health. No, it's isolation you know? is probably the worst possible thing for depression. Yeah, you think about teenagers, they they can't play sports, they can't go to school, they can't go to prom. You know, that I mean they, they this is tough. Yeah, really you know, yeah, I, I agree. And people got to be sensitive, you know, to that and if someone's got a problem, I hope they talk to talk to a friend or talk to someone well, we'll get we'll get to the the website in a second. I have a little tribute for you. Um, uh, you and I have a mutual friend, Jess Myers from from World, and I, it's such a small world, right? Um, a, about a month or two, two months before we met in December, there, um, uh, I my son and Jess's son were roommates, fraternity buddies at Iowa State, so we got to know each other. And he quickly called after Max's death. He quickly called me, and he and he told me. And I knew who Max was as a hockey player, right? I knew he was a player at War at Warroad, and and I knew he was your son and brother of Layla and Lisa. And I, I knew enough. That's what I knew about him. But I knew I didn't know anything about him with the mask off, right, without the helmet on. So I, he, Jess's son Jacob and I were friends, and I talked to him, and he's obviously the same age as Max. And I said, "Well, tell me about Max. I want to know about him. You know, I want to know about this kid." And Jacob, you know, a lot like Jess, is a very good writer, very smart with his words. Described one of the nicest, sweetest kids you'll ever meet uh the guy that's taking people fishing that he barely even knows friends with everybody in town and uh it just makes you know having a son who's the same age as you david and 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 jess it's just it it, it really makes my heart you know i really heart goes out to you because it's i couldn't imagine a day without my son yeah it's tough and you know but a lot of people have tough issues and this is just a really tough one we get to deal with on so, a daily basis. So it's, um, I sure wish you could go back and, but we can't, and this is our life now. And it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's very difficult, but, um, we're doing our best and, uh, hopefully that is enough to, you know, we just short term goals, you know, get through today and get through tomorrow. And, but this, uh, 
this coronavirus isn't helping. It's like every other small business owner. It's we're not easy. Our, yeah, we're getting our ass kicked. And, you know, I would hopefully everyone stays safe. And But it's what a huge price to pay for the world economy. I'm I'm worried about the how this ends and how we come out of it. And, and um, fortunately, there's a lot smarter people than me. In charge. Telling us, telling us what to do, but. I'm I'm very concerned about how we come out of this. So am I. So am I. Um, let's talk about the Max Foundation. I want to, before we, what's what's the uh, website address for the Max Foundation? Oh, uh, way to go. Max Marvin Foundation. Max Marvin Foundation? Yes. It's, um, I should spit it out. It's maxmarvinfoundation.org.org. Okay, Max Marvin, Oregon, Max marvinfoundation.org. Uh, I want to talk about what it, the programs are because it goes back to what what Conway said, doing nothing wasn't an option. And what the plan is, uh, let me quick explain. Um, uh, cr- there's a curriculum um, in uh, it, it, there's going to be a curriculum in the world schools and probably even the Rozo schools, maybe even the Moorhead schools as a result of what you guys are doing. Is this correct? Yes, in the world school. Okay, so so you just said if we could just help one person, you could help dozens or hundreds of people in your community um, alone in world. But if more foundation, more people accessed the programs and the curriculums that you put together, you guys could end up helping hundreds, or if not thousands, of people through um, your foundation. Yeah, you know we. We established uh, quite a friendship with the owner of the Winnipeg Jets, right, Mark Chipman, and his daughter played with my daughters at North Dakota. We became very good friends, and then their assistant general manager, they call Zinger Craig Heisinger, I've known since you know for a long time, and and they started this Project Eleven up there after Rick Rippon yep. passed away the same fashion as Max and. And they seem like a natural fit. You know, we went up there and, and they, their whole thing is about preventative. And yes. we thought, okay, preventative, that's sustainable for us, you know, to, to do something preventative. And I was shocked at how young they target. Like, they have programs for kindergartners. They should. And I, and I had no idea. I, but I didn't know. I was, I had, had, I had my head in the sand, I guess, to all this. I wasn't up to speed on well if you teach someone if you teach someone how to skate when they're in kindergarten wouldn't you teach them how to cope as well right yeah you know it makes sense but you know that mark's a mark and his staff up there they're they're incredibly smart people and we're very fortunate they're very giving and we're the first so they have this program in hundreds of schools in manitoba and and now he allowed us to bring it to to Warroad. And so the grade school principal is Derek Comstock's wife. Yep. Our social worker is Nick Marvin's wife, both greatly affected by what's happening. And I've got, you know, I've got nieces that teach. I've got friends that teach. They embrace this. And, and so I give them a lot of credit. Those people brought it into our school in a preventative way. And, and that's one thing we're doing. And, and Mr. Chipman has told us if we want to spread it through Northern Minnesota, 
that he's all for it, which I think is incredible. I think you know, it's I think it's definitely picking up steam. You had that little squirt game between it's kind of innocent, right? Two little squirt teams, World and and uh, More. Moorhead are playing in a really good little hockey game. They raised I don't know, who who cares what they raised, but they raised I think more awareness than they did money, which was awesome, don't you think? Yeah, and you know Osseo High School had a similar event and uh, about it, and so we're we're doing we're doing other things too but hockey's such an important part of our lives yep and and we and through hockey we can communicate with so many people and relate to so many people that we think it's a great vehicle to carry any message we might have and and there's and, and I think there's just it's it's gaining ground the, the the fight against you know suicide and anxiety and depression like like there's, I think people care about it and people, because everyone's affected by it. Everyone knows someone and that's had trouble. Yeah. So, it's, so you know, we we didn't invent anything. And the great part about what we're trying to do is other organizations have been so willing to help. Yeah. You know, like if someone came to you and wanted your, business plan for youth hockey hub you might not want to share it (laughs) but you know so you know or the ingredients in an izzy burger but right barbecue sauce right yeah yeah careful (laughs) edit that part out um you know so but they've been so willing to share and and um because everyone wants to help yeah anyway they can so that's a big thing you know being on the preventative side if um, kids can learn those ways to cope with things when they're having bad days. And, um, and we're, we're did a big sponsorship with, um, there's this, there's this summer camp up at, up in the Northwest angle. It's called, um, Lake trails. Yep. Kids from all over the state go there and they go on a week long canoe trip and they canoe a long way. Cause like I'm 30 miles North in my ranger. Right, and I go buy these kids in canoes, and they learn. They pack for the trip, and they stay on islands and tents and campfires, and they have to know what to pack. And it's a it's a very impactful trip for kids. And that, and there's kids from all over Minnesota that, that do it. And we thought it was a natural fit with how much Max uh, loved Love the, the outdoors. Yeah. Yes. So. That's another thing, you know, that, that we have gotten in behind. It's a nonprofit at Lake Trails there, and they, the people do a, an amazing job. They have big hearts. They don't do it for the money, trust me. They, right. they do it because they believe in it. And so we're, we're, we're doing things, and, you know, we're, we're, we uh, bought a bunch of books for our library that are – Have the curriculum. You know, have, have to do with the curriculum of the Project 11 and – different things like that. So we had a big awareness night when we played Roso. Yes. That was, that was good. But yeah, I think about all them kids now that, you know, through everything that's going on that, you know, the towns are, towns are quiet. They should be out playing ball. They really should be. Or anything, right? Yeah. Or going to one of those youth hockey hub spring tournaments. (laughs) 
There you go. Thanks for the plug. Um, I, I wanted to, one last thing about Warroad and 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 uh, Son Shog and I uh, and I did a little podcast as well about uh, the Native American relations. Uh, the, what they do in in that town, and I don't want to dwell on it too much, but it seems to be that that there's a really good incubator to make change in your town. Uh, you know, you have with the, with the Native Americans and white people, it's fantastic. It's 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 it's, it's like literally, it's 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 watershed like. I mean, the the whole country could could follow that lead. Could this be another thing in Warroad that that takes the lead? I mean, you guys were the leaders in hockey with a gold medalist from every Olympic hockey team. You have this Native American model. Could this be another thing that would could follow suit like that, or is that too too high in the sky? You know, I I don't know. I I grew up with uh, Daryl, so we've been. He's just my friend. Right. I don't look at I don't look at him any other way. Um, Amen to that. Know, Amen to that. Know, yeah, and he, and you know my one of my captains, Tara, is is Ojibwe, you know, and her, her dad and her grandmother. So it, I, and the Sandy girls on my team are Ojibwe. So they're, they're part of our community 100% and they're, gosh, our hockey history is yes. so, so, I mean, the, in the old days, Max Jones and the, like my mom tells me Max Oshi and Buster was, were some of the best players we ever had. They just came earlier. Right. And, and then, you know, and then you, you read about, everyone knows about Henry and TJ. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, right. Yeah. And then, and I tell you what, uh, we, we feel like we got a, a special one in Jason, you know, Very. and, uh, so talented, so, so handsome and, and um, yeah. handling an onslaught of people pretty well right now. But our boys high school team had, you know, the, you know, the Powassan boy, I grew up with him. His dad, uh, Todd, grew up on a reservation. Norwegian? Gabby? Uh, yeah, Gabby yeah. didn't play on the varsity, but Gabby's a, obviously yep. his grandson. Yep. Sajan, yep. uh, Norwegian, and, and Todd Powassan, and, and Gabby was on the JV there. But so, yeah, there's, it's, it's just, uh, it's part of our community. And, but I don't, I don't know. I, I just, there's, there's idiots out there of all color. Yes. And, uh, you know, but uh, I'm a very good friends with son, uh, knowing him since we were really little and he came from absolutely nothing. Yeah. His story is phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not knowing who his dad was and, uh, lost his mother at a young age and he's done a tremendous job raising his kids. Yeah, he's a first-class guy. We plan on something special coming up uh, to talk about his family and a little bit of a story. We're gonna basically that podcast. We're gonna elaborate greater because I thought the podcast was very, very successful and and really grasping as to what you how you, how the people in your community deal with race relations. Where you could deal with it, you could do you can follow the same methods as as you do in world. The rest of the country and their country would be a much better place. Yeah, I don't know that you ever fix that. Like that that one idiot said something about the Ranger draft choice the other day. Yeah, come on, they're, they're, right? They're, what a tremendous response though from everyone. Yeah, you know, and like like you're always gonna have you're always gonna have some idiots out there. So, you know, but I I think uh, 
Yeah, I'm not smart enough to say too much more on the subject, but I, I, I got uh, a good buddy and a good bud. I have a lot of natives that are good buddies from Dean Bethune and and Lawrence Norwegian and Top Wasson and Bill Sandy and Son Shogby. I mean, they're part of our community. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter what color their skin is or where their background is. If they're good people and they they put in their time, they deserve the same amount of respect. That's the way I look at it. You got that right, Tony. I appreciate it. Well, we got a lot right on this show. One last uh, plug for the Marvin Foundation, maxmarvinfoundation.org. Check it out. Uh, Make a donation if you have some extra money laying around. Uh, Your money will go be well spent uh, to a great cause. Uh, This was a great discussion. Uh, we, we, We covered everything, hockey, everything and i really appreciate your time i appreciate your friendship too izzy uh it's always great to see you and always great to talk a little puck with you yeah that's that's good you know the other day uh brock besser put a picture on the on the instagram of the max foundation instagram and he had his max hoodie on you know in a in just a short couple of years they became pretty good buddies but so people want to help with it you know and and uh thank brock for that and um you uh you take care tony i will keep your your elbows up eh? i will good to talk to you thank you all right thanks for tuning in today's lots of matzah pizza podcast with izzy marvin everybody have a good day